anybody that's listening right now, the really, the truly, the, the key takeaway from my journey and my story is that you are the only person that gets to decide what you're capable of and what you will do in your life. Not your parents, not your school board, not your teachers, not your friends, not your anybody. You are the only person that gets to make the decisions and choices and choose what it is that you'll do in your life. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hello and in on the snowy day of Nash, Vegas, Tennessee. Well, Nashville, Tennessee. All right. Man, we freak out. We get half an inch snow. We accumulated eight inches. We'll be snowed in for a month in this area the way we do. All right. It's not that our state, county, city, they do the best they can. They brine the road. They clean it off the best they can. It's just us Tennesseans can't drive in it. We don't know what we're doing. All right. When I say <laughs> us... I'm not including me because I don't even get out and drive it anymore. So I, it's, it's you I'm talking to. So, all right. So we don't need, but, but again, our stores love it when this snow comes because we buy up all the bread, bacon, milk, uh, anything, Twinkies. I don't know. We, we buy up the whole store because we're worried about uh, being caved in for three days. So, all right. So, hey, that's an adversity in itself to be able to persevere through all this uh, snow, which our guest, she's laughing at eight inches. She goes, that's all you get. And she lasts eight inches for it. It's basically a whole year for us. So, but she's like, but our, hey, our guest today, we're going to talk about uh, how we lose our voice, our self-confidence, low self-esteem, and how we build ourselves back up from it. Okay. And so welcome to the show. Let's go ahead and get started here. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Let me click that button. Sarah, where am I clicking? There we go. Sarah, Sarah Glendening. Thank you. Come on in here. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm better than I deserve, as uh, another radio host would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, we'll. Um, I think we're good for about two days, and then we'll reevaluate everything, see how things go from there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, you, you're it's laughing at eight. You're laughing not, at eight inches, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm living it. I got stuck in the driveway yesterday. Let's just put it that way. But eight inches is still quite a bit to get in like a short period of time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, like I said. For us, normally, this eight inches is probably a whole year for us. And mm-hmm. so we, we don't get a whole, basically a whole lot. But uh, last last year, I, I forgot how many inches, but it was the two to three inches of ice that came first. And we were shut down for a, a whole week. Mm-hmm. And it came on Valentine's Day last year. So, I mean, I guess that's good for the Valentine lovers, you know, that they're, they're homebound for a week, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so... All right, Sarah, we better get started here. People will say, forget the snow, let's go. So, uh, all right. So, all right. So, uh, you, you, you said you learned to speak very young, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming better than the average toddler. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then uh, somewhere along the line, you said you lost your voice, and then your low self esteem came, low self uh, confidence came along with that. Now, when, when I was reading this, when you said lost your voice, did you lose it physically, or did you lose it? your power of voice, you know, Mm -hmm. and then your self-esteem, confidence, everything went with it. 
Yeah, so it's definitely the latter. So growing up, I have like a ton of memories of my grandfather specifically, who had 10 children, would look at my mom and we would go to visit and would be like, what is wrong with your child? She speaks and she understands language like way beyond what a two-year-old should be able to talk. It's not that I was just using like big words. I actually had like an understanding of what they meant. Fast forward to elementary school and... I could not read or write, and I managed to fly under the radar until I was in about grade three when my teachers started to catch on conversations with my parents, and they made the decision to actually have me repeat grade three so that I could catch up um, and learn the values, valuable skills of being able to read and write that we, we do need, and through that, I lost my voice, like through that kind of traumatic experience of, you know, not being in class with my friends anymore. And, you know, I was going to say repeating the grade, leaving friends behind kind of, uh, blew, you, age, blew you away. Yeah. Cause at that age, from my perspective, my friends were all I really cared about. <laughs> right. It wasn't yeah. even like yeah, actual yeah. school. Right. I had done something so profoundly wrong that I couldn't understand at that age. And we didn't really talk about it either. It wasn't something back then that got talked about. It was just the way it was. And on we go. And then it was something that I had to relearn and retrain that, A, I, ha- I did absolutely nothing wrong. 40% of the population has the same diagnosis that I do. It's just mm-hmm. undiagnosed 90% of the time. And that it's okay. It's really okay. It hey, doesn't- I repeated to so I, I repeated the second grade. Yeah. So, and I turned out okie dokie. <laughs> I'd say so. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, at, at, at that age, you know, uh, second grader, third grader, it is devastating. You know, like I said, and it's not because of repeating and relearning. It's leaving your friends. You know, yeah. these are people you've been with for a few years and now they're going ahead. Now you're embarrassed because now you're, leave, you know, leaving them, they're leaving you. And now you got to make new friends. Mm-hmm. Well, and you just don't really understand why. Right. Like it's this horrific thing that has happened. Like, why, why do they get to move on? And I don't get to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I did my best and my best wasn't good enough. Is what you, And again, you don't understand. You just know you're going through the grade over. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So all of that um, kind of, like I said, took your your voice away from your power and mm-hmm. and, and then you withdrew and you lost self-confidence and. Mm-hmm. And and uh, self-esteem, and we already know there's a lot of people with the low self-esteem and and confidence level out there that they don't have to fail a grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's re- it's really out there, and people s- really suffer and struggle through that mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, there's many different reasons, but yeah, we already know there's a bunch of people out there. All right, so now that you um you're going through. You know, the feeling of losing your power, your voice and everything. So mm-hmm. well, you said that um, you started having, they started giving you therapy or seeing someone. No, they didn't. That's honestly the one thing that I wish had happened back then, but we're talking okay. about like the late eighties, early nineties. Um, and it, therapy was not something that was talked about. So essentially when I, when the school board was talking to my parents, they were told by the school board, that I would not amount to anything, that I would be lucky to graduate from high school um, and uh, essentially would just be a victim of the, the system. And yeah. my parents were not okay with that. that. That was like a hard no. 
Um, so they went along with the school board's plan for me to repeat grade three. I was put into a smaller class where the focus was on, you know, the what they would call the important subjects, the math, the science, the reading to help me propel me forward to catch up. And um, they continued to kind of say that, you know, it doesn't matter how what you do or what happens. She, she'll be lucky to have a post-secondary education. And so my parents, you know, I was more or less immediately pulled out of any extracurricular activities that I was in. And it was all about tutoring. Um, I played yeah, see, the piano. They even, they even put more pressure on your confidence and self-esteem because mm-hmm. now you can't even go play with your friends after school. Yeah. And yeah. I played piano because that was good for like the neuro, like the hand brain coordination um, stuff they talk about. So we did that for a few years and I started to advance beyond what they expected. And I actually ended up graduating from high school. I have a degree in nursing. I'm registered nurse by trade. Um, And I did everything that my parents- We got to stop there first. Nursing. I am a full believer that the health program is run basically by the nursing. All right. I understand you got your doctors, but when they come in and spend eight minutes with me and they think they're God and it's the nurse that are being there 24 seven coming in and out when I need something. Those are the ones because I, I don't know if you know, but I'm a spinal cord. Dude. You got my neck broke playing football. I'm in a wheelchair and nurse Vicky. Vicky, you still have an ache in my heart. You need to come back into my life. Vicky, nurse Vicky. Boy, did I fall hard for her, even though I could walk. And uh, <laughs> you <laughs> nurses, yes, you are the backbone of everything. Again, I know doctors got to do their little thing. They got million people to see everything. But the special care comes from these nurses. I don't know what they're called, uh, the ones that are nursing assistants. All these letters have changed uh, since I've been in, in the hospital in 1983. Mm-hmm. But again, those people are the backbone of the health care. And I want to thank you for you being in there and and helping the uh, people that uh, dearly need it. Oh, thank you. I will. I will absolutely receive that. So, um, and nurse, nurse Vicky, you ever hear this podcast? My heart's still aching. Come on back and give me a call or something. <laughs> All right. So, so now that I interrupted that, go ahead. You got to your nursing and. Yeah, no, absolutely. So ultimately, the reason I became a nurse, it was not a choice that I made. It was not something I wanted to do because as we've talked about, you know, my, my voice got taken and my confidence was taken when I failed grade three and it was the whole piece around it and not understanding. So when I was in my early twenties, you know, it was, you got to go to school. What are you doing? And for me, it was, I don't know. And I've probably said mm-hmm. those three words a hundred million billion times. Like I, yeah. I don't know what I want to do. I, you know, never, never knew. Because I didn't have the confidence in myself to believe that I actually could make that decision for myself and follow something that I wanted to do. So I ended up doing what, you know, my mom told me to do, which there's absolutely nothing there. And I, I love her to death, but I wasn't meant to be a nurse. But that's not mm-hmm. that's not what it was for me. But I did it because my mom, my sister, my younger sister was in nursing school. My mom said over and over again, just go to nursing school. There's so many opportunities. You can do this. Um, so I did because Part of me had to prove the system wrong. I had to say, no, like this is for me. um, And you don't get to decide what I'm capable of. But the twisted and the the crazy side of this is that when I did complete my four years after, you know, working full time, putting myself through school, 
on my graduation day, I dreaded it. I didn't want to go. I didn't feel I was worthy. And I wasn't going to take that time to stop and like celebrate this accomplishment because I wasn't worthy of it. I wasn't, I didn't do anything special. You know, it's time to move on to the next thing. I got to get a job and pay off my school debt and buy a house and do all the things. Right. That's right. So. And it really wasn't until I wrote my story last year in the great Canadian woman, she is strong and free that I realized on a deeper level, how much I truly did not believe that I was capable or did not believe I was worthy and how like angry and bitter I was at so many people around me, especially my mom for the experience that I went through when I was eight years old. Yeah. We're looking at a, a book on the on YouTube for the ones that are podcast listeners. It's uh, the great Canadian woman. She is strong and free. And this has a three because you said it's a, a third part series or somewhat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the third volume. Okay. And so, all right. So uh, there's nothing wrong with going to uh, graduate and be a nurse. And there's a lot of people that, uh, that don't use their degree once they finish it. Mm -hmm. Um, I got into education. I taught for about 12, 14 years and got out and now I'm doing this. So, I mean, so it's not that, um, yeah, it's uh, not, not everybody uses their, their degree once they get out. They, Mm -hmm. there's still plenty of things to do in life that uh, doesn't require a degree or you can use it to advance yourself in a different area. So No, absolutely. Yeah. And for me, my nursing, I don't regret it at all. I enjoy it most days. Um, But I also know that it's not my forever. And now I'm more excited about life and writing, writing my story and sharing it or removed kind of that negative connotation that I had around my experience and it's also, it in a crazy way, it brings in so many people that go, oh, me too. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. like I feel the same way or, oh, I felt the same way. And now we're able to connect on that level and it it is healing. Yeah, and again, it's a, a form of therapy when you can meet someone mm-hmm. else and then you can discuss with each other and both of you are opening up to each other. So it's a form of therapy to help each other and again, learn and then help the next person that comes along. So now I mentioned earlier, I thought that you had, you know, therapy started when you were young. So you were saying that didn't happen for a while that they they got some therapy for you? No, therapy happened when I was in my early twenties. So essentially through high school, um, alcohol became a friend of mine because Mm -hmm. like we've said before, like I lost my confidence. I lost my worth. I felt so different from the kids around me because I I was like, I was different, but we're all different. And this is the thing. But at that age, I, all I wanted was to hang out with that group of girls, but they would never accept me because I was different. And I, but it was all a narrative. It wasn't like a mean girl bullying situation. It was a narrative Mm -hmm. that I'd convinced myself of because I'm really good at convincing myself of crazy things that don't exist. Yeah. And okay. so in, into high school, the, the alcohol became my friend. And it got to the point when I was about 22 that my mom said either like you go to therapy and you deal with your shit. Sorry. Can I swear? <laughs> okay. Or hey, it's, your, it's your platform. I'm all, all I'm doing is putting it out there. You, all right. you, I, I don't, I don't want to limit anybody. You know, you be you. All right. Or you go to therapy and you deal with it or like you move out. Like I'm done. I can't, I can't continue down this road. Oh, so this tough love coming. It was, it was a whole lot of tough love. Yeah, it was, 
I was, but you know, in a sense, I was out all night, every night. She never knew what I was doing or what I was up to. And I was, yes, an adult at 23 years old, but I was not carrying, and I worked full time, but I was not carrying on like an adult, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I wasn't making good decisions for my body or myself or anything. So I chose therapy because at that point I wasn't ready to take that leap and, and move out. And I truly wasn't happy. And my mom knew that. So mm-hmm. she knew that she could, the tough love would work with me. So I ended up in therapy and that was kind of my first journey through healing. And the drinking slowly stopped and I ended up going back to school. And like I said, I got my nursing degree. Um, yeah. Now, has the drinking stopped completely or did you go back every now and again, social drinking so because drinking in high school became and into my early 20s was very much like it made me feel like I was like the same as other people. It made me feel less drink, less, sorry, less different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely was still a social thing that was happening um, up until like through nursing school periodically and then postgraduate nurses. It's what we do. <laughs> For a lot of us, our downtime, it's we're hanging out and we're having a glass of wine or we're we're doing whatever. And I but in the last about year or so, I have been like 100 percent. I haven't had a single beverage. OK. And I don't have anything is drinking. Uh, the problem I have is when you lose control uh, yeah. because of it. And then you don't know if uh, you're finding love in the wrong places with the wrong person. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um going to jail or some whatever. I got a friend. He spent half his life locked up off and on. And every time it's because he got stupid drunk and do something and then get locked up. And finally after 20, again, it was off and on. It was like three years in, four years out. Then you do something stupid again, back in for five and then back out. But, but uh, finally, you know, it hit him. You know, when I drink too much, I go mm-hmm. to jail. I said, I'd have figured that out the first time I went. <laughs> but it took him forever to feel it because he, he loved the drink, drinking and getting drunk. So th- mm-hmm. that's the only thing I have. And plus, I had a brother that uh, died and his alcoholism caught up with him. And yeah. so um, I, I, I don't condemn anybody that drinks. I just no. condemn when it's excessive and they're hurting themselves. And mm-hmm. it went, and they just don't understand. I don't know if they don't understand or they just don't care. I don't know if they don't care. But they're hurting their loved ones and their other people, friendships around them because they see them so bad. Like your mama saw you and wanted mm-hmm. you to either get clean, fixed, or you can go do it on your own. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. So the people, they just, again, I don't say they don't care, but uh, I don't know if they don't realize that uh, they're hurting the other people that loves them. Yeah. So. I think so much time when it comes to an addiction and like really an addiction of any kind, it's not, they're not hurting their loved ones intentionally. Yeah. I feel, I, I, yeah. I don't think it's intentional. No, no it's I just, feel, they got into this addiction, like you said, and mm-hmm. they've got to have it. Uh, they may try to withstain from it, but the addiction's so strong. They got to go back. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they do it intentionally on purpose yet yeah, to, to hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. So. No, I think it's more like their internal pain and that's mm-hmm. they're, they're using what we would call a negative, um, coping mechanism to deal with it, but their internal pain is is so great that they need something like they're running from their own selves, right? Because I think I we're all addicted. To, I think we're all addicted to something. Oh, 
Absolutely. You know, it, you know whether again it's hurting us physically or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm addicted to banana splits, so <laughs> you know that's that's me. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I mean, and shoot, I'm addicted to this podcasting now. I, I've mm-hmm. had plenty of people like you that I learn from, give me some powerful message, something to get me through today, and I'm addicted to this as well. So yeah. uh, you, you're the first of three today I've got. And oh, so, wow. uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I grab whenever they want to come, then we're, we're doing it. So mm-hmm. uh, as, as long as everything's going. All right. So now you've uh, uh, just a uh, mother gave you those tough love and you got straight and, mm-hmm. and saw the therapist and whatnot. And so now what's, uh, what's planned for Sarah here in the future? Yeah. So now I'm, so I'm like registered, I'm a working registered nurse, as I said now, um, but since writing this chapter in this book and really spending about a year and a half before I wrote working on myself and taking a deep dive into who I am and all of my things, right? I had to put in some boundaries with some people that I love, but I also had to put in some boundaries with myself because I truly, it was so easy for me to blame everyone around me for what was happening in my life. And I worked with a, a coach and I got myself back in therapy after years of burnout as a nurse. And really that all started and happened because I could not continue to live life the way that it was. And I knew that it had to be different or I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, I was depressed. I was full of anxiety and I was just angry and I'd carried this anger for so many years. And so, like I said, I got myself back in therapy and I started working with a coach with the intent of actually just trying to find out what was next for me in terms of my job, in terms of what I was going to do for a living, because I was so burnt out with the nursing field and a crazy thing happened. (laughs) And uh, it's uh, kind of funny how things turn us around in life, Uh, whether, whether again, it's intentionally unintentionally, but somehow we can find an an opening or a new beginning if Mm -hmm. we just stay open-minded. Absolutely. It's so true. And yeah, so I, this crazy, like I started working, we all just started working on me. We were digging out stories and, you know, part of the issue with my nursing burnout was PTSD because some traumatic events from my childhood happened in front of my eyes as an emergency room nurse. And it, it replayed for six months before I finally decided I needed to change and I needed to get some help. And ultimately what happened is yes, my podcast was birthed, but I also podcast, learned that podcast. What are you podcast. talking about a podcast? <laughs> Look at this. We got an image up here for podcast and it's called path to me. And I went and looked at uh, some of your podcasts. I didn't, didn't have time to listen to any yet, but I'm going to go in and listen to a couple of your episodes and seem like you're doing kind of similar to what I do is talking about our problems, overcoming adversities and where we're at in life and how we're going. Yeah, so, really. It's anybody on have- anybody listening to my podcast, go and search for Sarah's again, it's path to me podcast and give her a, give her a little, uh, listen. Yeah, absolutely. I totally appreciate that. It's all about the road to how you became who you are today and what you've overcome and the tools and tricks that you use to to get through the hard things that we've all had to live through. And that way we can help somebody else get through it quicker with our tips and tricks so they don't have to suffer as long as we did. Mm -hmm. Sharing our journeys. It's it's So. so important and it's something I've become so passionate about since since writing my story and everything that I've done. And now 
you know, what came of all of these, these things, the book, the podcast, working with my coach, working with my therapist is I'm now starting a business that is something I'm so naturally good at, but I never would have seen because I gained this confidence in myself and I found my voice again and I'm speaking and, you know, all these things that I didn't do for years because A, I didn't want to be seen by others because I didn't want them to know how different I was. I didn't want, you know, God forbid I failed again. You didn't want to uncork the troubling genie within you. Mm -hmm. So, all right. God forbid I failed again. God forbid I disappointed my parents again or did something wrong that was so beyond my control. But yeah. what happened through the therapy and the coaching is I, I found me and I found my voice and I've learned that failure is a part of life. It's actually not bad. <laughs> it's actually not am, bad at I all. Imagine, actually, I would imagine we fail more than we're successful because yeah. uh, it's a learning step, learn what to do to be able to get to being successful. In mm -hmm. baseball, you only have to get three hits out of 10. So you make you you're out 70% of the time, but if you can hit 300, which is three hits out of 10, you're considered a great hitter in baseball. And so, yeah. So Michael Jordan talked about all the failures he had, you know, they depend on him taking the last shot of the game and how many he's taken and how many he's missed. And, but, mm -hmm. but the joy of continuing on and finally hitting that shot, finding yourself is where we need to go. Yeah. No, absolutely. I truly believe if you are like searching for what you want to do for a job or you're so busy blaming everybody else around you for what's going on in your life, if you take five minutes and just like ask yourself why, like dig a little deeper inside yourself, you'll find answers that you never expected. I've said for years that I hate tech. I hate computers, cell phones, forget about it. You know, I can do like the basic things. I'm literally starting a business or I help business owners with the back end of their business online. There you go. Right? Like we stop ourselves from doing the things that we're naturally good at because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of making that decision. We, we think we, we tell ourselves these stories that we don't like something. Meanwhile, like I should have gone to school for coding, but never in a million years would I have known back then that that was what was for me. Yeah. I don't know if I wanted to go to school for coding. Of course, when I went to school, they didn't have all this stuff uh, for me. But I don't know if I'd want to go back for coding. It looks a little difficult. But I would like to go on and learn more what I can do mm -hmm. to experience more uh, to help other people out here in the future in this big virtual land out here. You know, uh, they say this uh, stuff on the Internet is going to be here forever, they claim. So just think, Sarah, in a 100 years from now, whatever it's called then, your story, mm -hmm. your journey is going to be helping someone else from 100 years from now. They're going to accidentally yeah. type in something. It's going to pop up and huh, and then but they're, going to, laugh, they're going to laugh at our hairdos. They're going to laugh how we're dressed. And But mm -hmm. your message, you're going to listen to that message and how we're going to be able to help someone. Because, again, supposedly stuff's on there forever now. Yeah. And I think it's super cool. I think it's super cool that people I don't even know are reading my book. I think it's super cool that people I like don't even know or listening to a podcast and that that's going to continue because it will be available for the end of time. I, um, I'm, I'm a strong believer and would encourage anyone that they should write their own memoir, whether, mm -hmm. whether they intend to make any money or not, it's just so you can pass it down 
to the great, great grandkids later on. So they can see with how you grew up and how you fought through adversity and persevered and give them a little heads up. And then mm -hmm. they could add on to the book if they wanted to, you know, you can have 10,000 volumes by the time yeah. you keep passing it down. But um, uh, sadly enough, not everybody will write their, their story, their journey, but uh, I sure wish I'd have got my grandparents uh, back then. Back then we didn't have all this computer to do everything and self-publish and do all this stuff to make it easy. Um, but I wish I'd have got the stories from my grandparents. So yeah. my grandfather would start off a story like he'd go, you know, back in, 1983. So that's how he would start off a story. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. So, all right, yeah. Sarah. So, um, wow, this has been uh, been fun. I'm glad we we uh, connected. I'm glad we met up, and I'm glad I found you on Podmatch and mm -hmm. seek you out to get your story. And so, uh, you're an amazing woman, and you're going to continue on to be an amazing one. Don't let someone or somehow steal your voice ever again. Don't lose no. your power. You have so much to offer to help somebody out there again that you don't even know that mm -hmm. you're you're helping in the future. So no. please, please be you and don't alter from it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And just for anybody that's listening right now, the really, the truly, the, the key takeaway from my journey and my story is that you are the only person that gets to decide what you're capable of and what you will do in your life. Not your parents, not your school board, not your teachers, not your friends, not your anybody. You are the only person that gets to make the decisions and choices and choose what it is that you'll do in your life. Amen, sister. Put it out there. Hey, now, before we get off here, go ahead and give your uh, website, uh, uh, social media, how people can find you, and yeah, how we can find your book again, uh, your podcast, and yeah, put out all your social media so people can find you. Perfect. So Path to Me, the podcast is available on all major podcast places, including Audible, Spotify, and iTunes. The book is available on Amazon. Again, it's The Great Canadian Woman, She is Strong in Three, Volume Three. It's a collaborative book with me and four, 13 other authors who share a wide range of different stories. Trust me, they're so incredibly inspiring. Um, and you can find me personally. I have two accounts on Instagram. One is for the podcast. It's Ask at path to me podcast at path to me podcast and then my personal account is at sarah no h s-a-r-a -A, g hope there we go and appreciate you coming on again and you have lightened and enlightened my day already and so we have two more to help uh, improve that uh, since you've got it started here so absolutely Thank everybody you so else much. hey share this message share this uh this uh, journey of Sarah's of the, losing her voice, her power, self-esteem, and how she had overcome that to be where she's at, to be able to have her own podcast, be a nurse, writing her own book, doing her own thing in life. So everybody else do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.